This is episode number 20 with my brother, Ilya Eremenko. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. Hello and welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. Super excited to have you on board today. And we've got a very interesting guest today. I decided to invite one of my brothers onto the show. Today we've got Ilya Eremenko. So why did I invite my brother onto the show? Well, first of all, he's studying at university and he's studying a degree in the spaces of IT and business. So he's got some very interesting insights and he shared them about how he sees his career in the coming uh, years and maybe even decades and uh, what he sees of the world. But also I think that his views are very interesting because he is a representative of Generation Z, right? So uh, he is still only 20 years old. So he was born in 1996 and um Basically, his views on data, on technology, on where the world's going are very, very different uh, to mine, for instance, or maybe even to yours. And uh, the way he perceives the world and the way this generation perceives the world is very interesting. It's very interesting to hear about and learn. And um, I think we had a great conversation about that. And so just that you're prepared for what to expect in the podcast, I'm going to give a quick overview of the generation's or the, the kind of terms that we use in terms of generations inside this podcast and terms that you'll hear all around. So we'll start with baby boomers. So baby boomers are people who were born right after uh, Second World War. That's 1946 to 1954. Then you've got uh, boomers too, or Generation Jones, which is not that heard of. It's 1955 to 1965. Then we've got the ones that you've probably heard more of. So Generation X is 1966 to 1976. Generation Y, or they're also called the Echo Boomers, or they're called the Millennials. That's 1977 to 1994. For instance, I'm a, I'm in the Generation uh, Y. Um, and also, you've got after that the final or <laughs> the most recent generation, uh, Generation Z, uh, which is 1995 to 2012. So the dates are not exactly precise, and some sources will tell you different dates. Uh, but that's what we're going to stick to and uh, kind of like uh, use as a guiding uh, principle. So Ilya is a representative of Generation Z, and that is typically people who had easy access to the internet while they were at school and had all this technology around them and, you know, were using iPads at an early age. And as you can imagine, their opinions on where the world's going is very different. So this is what you'll learn in the podcast. And on top of all of that, we've got a very special surprise for you. Just recently, Ilya and I completed recording a course on SQL and database design. It's a massive course with over 12 and a half hours of content. And here you'll learn things like SQL, of course, so, but not only just one type of SQL, you'll learn PostgreSQL and Microsoft SQL Server, both in one course. And also we talk about things like database design, which includes uh, normalization. So first normal form, second normal form, third normal form, schemas, uh, we also talk about OLTP databases, OLAP databases, why you need to bring your databases into normal form and what are the 
advantages and disadvantages of that and what that all means. And also we have real world uh, data sets to create these practical exercises, not just for coding SQL, but also for uh, practicing database design. And the reason we created this course is because, first of all, we wanted to uh, provide a comparison between the two tools, PostgreSQL and My Microsoft Server SQL, which are two of the most popular SQL programming languages. But also, I noticed that a lot of uh, SQL courses actually don't teach database design, and I think it's a very, very important skill for a data scientist. So if you're interested in checking out that course and learning about SQL and database design, then go to the show notes page, which is at www.superdatascience.com 20, and there you will find a, a special invitation from Ilya and I, a special coupon for you to check out this course, uh, just as a thank you for listening to this podcast and uh, something to help you uh, to inspire you to keep learning and progressing your career. But enough of uh, the intro, let's get on with the show. Can't wait for you to listen to all the insights that were shared on this episode. And without further ado, I bring to you Ilya Aramenko. Welcome everybody to the Super Data Science Podcast. Today I've got a very, very special guest with me. It's my brother Ilya Aramenko who's calling in from Brisbane. We both live in the same city. Ilya, how are you going today? Uh, hello, Carol. I'm doing very well today. Thank you very much. The weather is nice. The day is nice. Future looks promising. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thanks, bro. Um, so everybody, I decided to bring Ilya onto the show because Ilya is also in the space of data. He's currently studying a degree and we'll talk about that in which is a mix of business and data. It's very interesting. And at the same time, also thought that it would be a great opportunity for us to interact or get an opinion of somebody who is in that what that generation, you know, Generation Y, or actually Ilya's in the Generation Z, so still very young and very adept with technology, so I think it'll be a great conversation. Um, so Ilya, are you excited about this? Yeah, yeah, sure, let's do it. All right, let's do it. Okay, so first of all, how old are you, Ilya? I'm 20 years old. 20 years old, and uh, yep. what, what are you doing currently in your life? I'm studying at Queensland University of Technology and trying to produce different courses on Udemy. Yeah, awesome. We'll, we'll get to the Udemy courses. So by the way, guys, we re Ilya and I released a, a course on data, databases and SQL earlier uh, just a few uh, weeks ago, and uh, we'll get to that in a second. But uh, for now, Ilya, tell us a bit more about like what, what are you studying at Queensland University of Technology? I'm studying um, Diploma of Business Analysis, uh, Corporate Business Analysis, to be correct. Uh, basically, it's a mix of business subject and IT subject. Um, the best part about this course is that it's mostly the foundation to both the business world and IT world. And as we know today, there's no difference between them. Like They have to work together. If you want your business to be successful, you need to implement IT into it. So it gave me a lot of insight to what is important in business from the IT perspective and what's important in IT from business perspective. And I think that's very valuable because a lot of people don't have that opportunity and they just go blindly into the um, corporate world hoping that their diploma will teach them all the necessary skills without having the vision of the world itself first. Okay, that, that's a pretty interesting concept. And I like that you mentioned that uh, right now, pretty much every business, like I can't even think of a business that 
doesn't require IT, like doesn't have a website or a database or you know some sort of IT system. And um, so, like, give us a bit of an overview of the subjects that uh, you're taking in this uh, in this course. Uh, my subjects are mostly divided into three categories. I would like to say. Uh, the first one being business theory, such as management, marketing, advanced management theories. Uh, the second one is business practical, such as business process modeling, which I have a lot of subjects on. Um, it's basically putting a business process down to a model using specific set of constraints and elements. And it just lets you see the big picture on a very clear and logical format. And my third Part of subjects is uh, IT, and IT is mostly practical. I only had one theoretical subject so far, just because people like to put practice into IT nowadays to get you a bit more experience. Okay, yeah, that's that's very interesting. And with IT, I know you have a subject on databases. What other IT exposure did you get in your degree? Well, as always, you start off by learning Pascal, then we moved on to learn some C sharp. And then we dived into more conceptual stuff, still supported by a large amount of theory. Um, the most notable theories that I can tell you are TAM, uh, cycles of development, um, user acceptance cycle, and of course, uh, Moore's law and other different laws that predict how IT um, will progress throughout the years. All right. Okay. So that's that's quite an involved degree mixing both business and IT. And um, so... I got two questions. I like first one is, what made you choose this degree? How how did you decide that this is something that's good for your future? Well, to be honest, I wasn't sure about any degree, and I really didn't have any idea of what I want to be. I took some IT classes in school, and I took pretty much every other subject in school, and I didn't feel right about anything. So when it came to choosing the degree, I thought it would be best to choose a very large, a very broad degree that has a lot of subjects in it and that has a lot of different professions covered in it. So while studying, you can understand more what exactly do you want to do. And so far, I'm very happy about the choice because the first year of university just flew by and you really don't understand how different the real world is to your high school world when you just come into university because there's a big shift you need to do. And I'm very happy that I took this degree again because now I understand that I want to do something with business IT. I basically uh, want to keep working in this field. I don't know about my specialization yet. I might do that later. But so far, yeah, it works out pretty good. That's awesome. That's that was actually my qu- second question. That how are you happy with your choice or not? And it seems like you feel that you're on the right track. And I like uh, the option. Like for any listeners out there, and especially those who are just considering a degree or considering continuing their education and getting another degree, um, I think that's a good concept of selecting something that is quite broad, but it's it's in your area of interest, but it's broad enough so that you have the flexibility to later on not just not change your mind, but actually just choose more specifically what you want. Because if you jump into something too specific, like let's say you start doing a degree, let's say I was in, because I like, I personally was interested in physics. And if I were to start a degree in laser physics right away, um, I would never get the exposure to other areas of physics. Whereas same thing here. So if you get an exposure to a little bit of everything, then it gives you time to understand what exactly you, uh, you like. So is that is that a good summary of the concept you conveyed just now, Ida? Ah, yeah, absolutely. The only thing I wanted to add to that is that 
the world is shifting right now and you don't really need that much specialization from your university in a sense that any skill that university will teach you, you can go online and learn it for free or for a much less amount of money. And this gives you the flexibility that not only you can get exposed to more concept in university where they just prepare you for the real world in your final year or just before you finish it, you can go online and research the particular skills you need in the order you want to the level of expertise you want. And then you'll be ready for your dream job at any time. Fantastic. That's that's great advice. And that actually prompts a very interesting debate or question um, that a lot of people are pondering right now, and I'd like to get your opinion on it. As you know, the Generation Z, as the most uh, you know most technology savvy people on the planet, why are degrees even necessary? Like as you correctly mentioned, you can go online and get any skill. You can get any expertise you want, and for less money, and also probably for less time because you can do it in your own time as quickly or as slowly as you want. So why would why is it still necessary? Why would somebody want to go to university when they can get all this knowledge online? What's your view on that? Uh, well, firstly, the world is advancing, but not just as fast as we would like it to. And secondly, there are some areas that just do not allow that. For example, if you're going into engineering or any doctor, any medicine field, you will be responsible for lives of real people. So you can't just get that level of knowledge and that level of evaluation in the internet, on the internet, you have to go to the university where they have a planned program, a government approved program that will teach you all the necessary skills. So you will never make anything wrong and lose human lives. But about any other subjects um, that do not work so closely with human lives, I think it's just a matter of time because we see that more and more startups pop up and more traditional businesses, more conservative businesses, they either adjust to that or they fall down. And this will spike into the fact that more and more companies will start accepting you not based on your degree, but based on your actual skills, the evaluation processes, the training programs that they will they will have themselves will become better and they will be able to afford that. Because for now, I still feel that for most companies, a degree is just a certification that you can do stuff and that you are determined to do stuff for a long period of time. But I think that's really fading out in business field and IT field specifically. Okay, yeah, yeah, totally agree with you. And um, yeah, I think that's, I also think that's where the world's going. And with time, companies are going to more and more realize that they're, they need the people with the skills regardless of what says what's said on their paper or even if they have that paper but probably you're right probably not there right right yet the other question another interesting uh, thing i'd like to get your thoughts on is you said there's a lot of startups popping up and there's lots of different companies changing the way they do business or uh, older companies you know collapsing newer companies popping up and adapting to the market and so on from what you have seen and i'm i'm guessing you're very up to date with all the technology trends being uh, being a post-millennial and always being on social media and everything. Like what in the space of data, in the space of, or basically any business, because any business uses data right now. So in the, the space of organizations and, you know, in the thinking about your future employment, what companies attract you the most? Like what companies make you excited and where would you want to work? Um, what kind of things they do attract you the most? Well, that's a very interesting question because I haven't done any extensive research as of yet on any companies. So I can only judge by what I hear on social media or what I see in the news. And for me, of course, the 
most attractive companies are companies like Microsoft, companies like Tesla, um, companies like SpaceX, or any companies that are on frontier of advancing forward. Because it's not about the money when you're working. Um, it's all about making a difference. Because um, I think that there's hundreds uh, of ways to make money other than your job. You can invest it, you can um, get a second job, you can create content online, you can have your own YouTube channel. But I think your work, your primary work, the stuff that you put most amount of time in, it has to matter. It has to do something good for humanity, for yourself, for your neighbors, for your family. And I think those companies on the frontier that's do not just sit on what they've created. They're always looking for more. Um, they certainly attract me the most. Fantastic. That's some, some very good insights. So if there's any uh, executives, or, which I'm sure there are, or managers listening to this, and you're looking to eventually get some of these Generation Z or post-millennials into your company, that's that's what they're looking for. They're looking for companies that are changing the world. And uh, Ilya, what excites you personally the most? Like what part of changing the world? Is it medicine or is it, um, I don't know, like Microsoft is in the space of IT and uh, is enabling companies to uh, do things on computers and so on? Or is it, or is it like uh, t- cars and rockets? What exactly, if you, if you already know, what exactly excites you personally the most? For me, I would say that world will not be the same world is not the same about it and it is basically the engine of our world right now and any company that puts um, its money its value its manpower into it will certainly attract me the most because even if you look at the medicine field there's no more bones to be discovered there's no more um organs to be found it's mostly about treating the known diseases or preparing for the unknown diseases in a different way in a more advanced way and we already can see a lot of robots being inserted in humans uh, to clear blood to deliver medicine directly to the um, organs that need it and we actually see robot surgeons that do better than human surgeons so if we take any other field we can already see that Business is already completely under IT. Construction, engineers, all of them use IT programs to develop um, a piece of building to see will it fall or not. So IT is definitely the biggest drive of our generation of this century for humanity. So I certainly, personally, I certainly would want to go somewhere where they deal with IT. Okay, fantastic. And uh, on that on that note, you earlier mentioned a concept of uh, Internet of Things or IoT. Uh, I would really like to get your thoughts on that. Like, what is the Internet of Things to you as a post millennial? What is the Internet of Things for me? Yeah. Uh, do you mean what I daily interfere with? In, um, no, it's just like, how do you understand the way that the world is hyper connected and all of these things combined together? Um, create the Internet of Things? Oh, uh, well, the Internet of Things is basically Internet of our everyday life. We can already see that cars um, get your geolocation all the time. They track it and they send it online to update the maps, the world maps, make them better, to update the safety regulations and to even specify the route to your preferences. We can also see that in every other part of our daily life, the phones are basically uh, devices that we voluntarily put in all the data we want, uh, all the data we have, and 
they just send it to all the other devices, all the other companies that can buy it or need it. Uh, we have smart scales, we have smart rooms, we have um, Apple TV, we have Amazon Echo, we have all these products that are made for uh, listening to our needs and adjusting to them accordingly. And that just comes to a big question that um, growing up as a millennial in Russia, you, I had to deal with a lot of older people and the privacy to them, the safety of their secrets, the safety of their preferences was so high that they will never tell you what they like or what they don't like because they're still afraid that in some way it might be hurtful to them that you can use against them. Uh, and for my generation, for my friends, we just voluntarily give this data, give our secrets, give our favorite foods and places to everybody. We freely post on social media without wanting anything back. So I think the Internet of Things uh, will greatly benefit from that because when you can predict um, the user's next move, you can always satisfy him. And that's what consumers or customers look for, satisfaction. And so Internet of Things is a very big deal that's basically infiltrated pretty much every part of our life. Fantastic. That's that's exactly the answer I was hoping for. Um, the comparison between what the previous generations think of it and what you guys think of it. Because like even for me, uh, you know, giving up some of my information, yeah, it's that's that's totally fine. But when every single step of my life is tracked or every single search term that I use, everything is constantly being analyzed and then predictions are made what I'm interested in. And um, I'm, you know, somebody's like, I still think of it as, as in a way as somebody's kind of watching over me. Whereas from what you said, for you, it's it's completely no brainer. You get better service, you're going to give up that information. It's, it's a fair trade-off. And um, so do you think that that is a good way where the world is going or it has some negative aspects in your view as well? I think it certainly is changing the world and I can't tell you if it's good or bad. We can, um, I think the most heard quote uh, that I know of is the, the day will sacrifice our freedom is the day the America will fall. I think it was said by Lincoln. And that's the argument a lot of people say that against uh, sharing our data, against apps infiltrating into our daily lives and collecting all the data. Uh, but I also think that without um, you letting know your phone what time you need to wake up, uh, what route you take to work every day, you will just not get the, um, the same way of life. You will not gain it. Uh, all the benefits that other people get. You will not get a daily reminder that you need to do such and such or that you need to go there and it will take you so long to go there or that you need to run another two kilometers to be healthy. And I think it's a very sketchy road in the sense that right now we're only in the beginning of it and it depends, it almost, all, um, it almost completely depends on the companies to what they're going to do with this data. If they're going to be aggressive and start using it to their advantage more than to users' advantage, then we'll definitely see a lot of drawbacks of this change. And if they just keep doing what they're doing now, collecting the data, selling it to other uh, marketing tools that then custom our ads so we see what we want to see and we buy what we want to buy, I think it's a very good trade-off. We get all this um, benefits, we get all this efficiency and we lose pretty much nothing. Yeah, no, that's that's very profound. And thank you for sharing that that view. I think a lot of our listeners will 
uh, everybody has their own opinion about it. So a lot of our listeners will find your view either aligned with theirs or controversial, and it's always uh, thought-provoking. So thanks a lot for that. And uh, what I wanted to talk about next is um, like the way you've set up your life. So this, so far, <laughs> I know you're at the early stages, you know, still at uni, but you've already accomplished quite a lot. So you're studying a degree in Australia at one of the leading universities here. And at the same time, you have already started your own online presence, your own online business. So uh, for the listeners that are not aware yet, uh, Ilya uh, teaches a few courses on um, Udemy, he teaches a course. Actually, I'll let you talk about it. So tell us about um, your business. Tell us about the courses that you teach. Uh, well, there's really nothing to talk about yet. Um, these courses were n- not designed to make money. They were not designed to even um, make a change in people's life to be the next big thing. Uh, when I was creating this course, it was mostly about proving to myself that I can do it. And I've learned that by teaching others to do something, you learn it twice as good. So that's a very good uh, thing with creating the courses is that you can go ahead, practice your own skills, master them, and then learn them to learn them at the best stage in the best possible way to be able to teach other people. So the course I've created so far about um, DPMN, Business Process Modeling Notation, that's the first course I ever created and it's exactly about business process modeling uh, where you take an existing business process and you put it on a map, uh, sort of a map uh, where you lie down all the important tasks and all the important gateways. And then it's just a very logical flow that you can go through start of the process to the end. Uh, The second one was just a quick one about SWOT analysis, because um, that's a very uh, big question for people who don't know anything about business, uh, because SWOT analysis is one of the most commonly used tools in business, because it just gives you a lot of insight with pretty much no input. And now the final course, uh, the last course that I made today that we actually made is about SQL because as much as you don't want to admit it, data is in every part of our life and it's important to know how to deal with this data. And it's important to know how this data is being dealt with by other people, by um, companies, by uh, creators, just so you understand how the world works and can adjust to it accordingly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's a very important point, and um, it it is uh, it is true. We just released this course on uh, SQL, and um, yeah, I personally found it a lot of fun working uh, on in, together with you on this course, and uh, we had some some really good moments. Like as always, it's challenging. You know, you have your ups and downs, especially releasing a co- course of that size with um, it was close to ten hours of content, if not more. And um, so, yeah, uh, like SQL, what, uh, let's talk more, more about that for our listeners. Can you explain why, what kind of tools did we choose to convey in that course? Explain and uh, why did we choose these tools? Uh, well, there are basically four commonly, most commonly used tools for SQL. Uh, MySQL, PostgreSQL, Microsoft SQL Server, and Oracle. And we did some research in uni, I learned MySQL, and it was quite fun, and it was um, quite easy to use. But after doing some research, uh, the most, uh, the biggest user um, consumer markets are PostgreSQL and Microsoft SQL Server. So I definitely wanted to go for them first, um, because I just 
good to have a big amount of people to talk to, to tell stuff to. And I really enjoy that. And about the tools themselves, I think that PostgreSQL has a lot of interesting parts in it because it doesn't have as much functionality as Microsoft SQL Server, and it's not as fast, but it has some very specific functions that you don't see anywhere else in any of the other softwares out there. And it just allows you to work with database in a very specific way. So I think that if you have a choice between mastering PostgreSQL and mastering SQL Server, if you're gonna be working a lot with databases on a daily basis, you wanna go for SQL Server just because of its functionality, of its speed, and just how easy it is to use, how user intuitive it is. But if you're only going to be working with database um, very rarely, but it's going to be a very big database and it's going to be a pretty difficult one, if you can say that, uh, I think you're better off going for PostgreSQL because it will certainly be easier to program a larger database and to work with it later on. Yeah, that's totally true. And uh, I think I'll add to that that uh, PostgreSQL is really picking up in the startup world because it's free. It doesn't require any, um, you know, you don't have to purchase a software license for it. So you can just go ahead, download it, and startups can use it with minimal cost. And uh, also it's available both on Windows and Mac and on Linux on uh, most major platforms. So it's very versatile. It's designed... Uh, by people for people, and that's why it's so cool. And uh, as Ilya said, it has a huge uh, user community. And same thing with Microsoft. Microsoft has a huge user community, although it's not free, but you get all of this support, and Microsoft actually sends its representatives out there into into the internet to help out people to promote their software. And so if you are working in a large corporation which uh, already uses a tool like Microsoft SQL Server, then um, obviously, learning that is is a great advantage because you'll you'll know it better, and plus, um, it's a huge tool that is used by lots of corporations. Okay, so that that was a a good in a little bit of an insight into um, SQL and the different types of SQL. And um, so, tell us a bit more about like why would somebody want to learn SQL if let's say they don't necessarily. Uh, work with databases on a day-to-day, um, in their day-to-day roles? Well, you can really not work with databases on your day-to-day um, life because databases are everywhere. If you work in any big corporation or even in a small company, you will still have a database of the employees, of the payrolls, of all the money coming in and coming out and all the tasks that need to be done. Even if you're not working with directly, it's still there and it's still being very useful and gathering a lot of important information. So I think... Um, even if you don't necessarily work with databases directly, it's still a very useful skill to know because if you ever try to design an app or a website or um, any program, you will need to work with databases. So if you're in IT field and you ever think about any programming, you will have to deal with them at some point. And if you're just working uh, mostly with business side, uh, you still want to learn it because it just lets you... Databases, as well as uh, working with any other programming stuff, it's very logical. It's very direct. If you do everything correctly, your program will run. If you do everything incorrectly, nothing will run. 
And I think that teaches you a very important lesson. It teaches you to uh, value the data and think about it in a different way. Uh, for example, before learning SQL, I never thought um, in uni, how am I being tracked down, how different subjects are comprised and why they have these names, these um, ID numbers and so on. And now I understand that and I understand that we live in a very heavily data polluted world. There's a lot of unnecessary and needed or duplicated data all around us every day. And by being able to see um, the information that you actually need to see and being able to pick it up from all of this uh, mass of data, I think it's the most important skill that you can get in business because just getting that one insightful data point can mean so much to you. You can get great results from it. That can be the difference between selling the product or failing as a company. So I think learning databases is a definitely um, good idea for anybody interested in improving their understanding of the world and especially the corporate world. Yeah, gotcha. I totally agree with that. And I, I can attest to that as well, that um, when I, I when I learned SQL for the first time, it was, it was like a threshold concept for me. I completely changed my view on data, completely changed my view on how data works, all this data around me, like you say, uh, the names of your core subjects and uh, the IDs that students get and so on. I It completely all started making sense. When you think of it, in a database perspective, a lot of things around you make sense. And as you correctly point out, um, it's much you're much more open to seeing these these data points that might make it or break it in, in a certain point in a certain type of analysis. So um, yeah, it's it's a very useful and powerful skill to have to understand how databases work, uh, even if you're not dealing with them on a day-to-day -day basis. All right, so that's uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, to learn about um, uh, databases and SQL. And um, now I'd like to move on to some other uh, topics, uh, some other thoughts that I'd like to, or some, some other topics I'd like to get your thoughts on, um, you know, while we have you here on the podcast. So first one is, um, you said you're teaching because you want to learn, not necessarily because you want to make money or not necessarily because you want to, uh, you feel that you can make a change in a person's life, like a a huge, uh, make a huge difference, but because you want to learn something yourself better. But at the same time, um, like if uh, somebody was to open your course, they would see that you are getting uh, feedback, people are taking your courses, you have thousands, several thousand students, and um, people are getting value from your content and you are changing people's lives. And I wanted to get your view on how does that feel? So how does it feel to, at such an early age, to actually already help people improve their careers, help people um, learn new skills that they've been looking for? Um, does that, does that um, make you, does that scare you or does that make you want to do more of this and uh, help the world even further? I think it's a mix of both because on one hand, it's definitely scary in the sense that if I teach them anything wrong, if I say something wrong and they take it without doubting me and they use that information later on in their life, it can lead to trouble for them. And it's definitely scary that uh, I have people uh, messaging me who are working for several years, maybe even several decades uh, in the industry, and they're messaging me asking some questions about the um, subject about such a simple subject to me and they're asking questions uh, hoping to get answers and that's definitely scary in the sense that 
I don't think it was possible a hundred years ago for you to have more insight into anything without you having to spend years and years working in that specific field. And today there's just so much information, so many um, different types of software, uh, so much stuff to do in the world that people can only choose certain things. So if I learn BPMN and other people haven't, I can teach them how to do that. And that's definitely, uh, from this point of view, it's definitely empowering. It's definitely uh, inspirational that I can do it, that actually I have, as you mentioned, several thousand students who hopefully learn something from me and who improve their life quality just a tiny bit, because that just, I just don't have words uh, talking about that because I never really think about it, uh, not to give in to the fear. Because as even with this course, the latest course, I always had this thought in the back of my head that what if I do something wrong? What if I make a mistake? What if uh, this course is not as good as the courses before? Or what if people don't like it? And all of those questions build up over time and you just can't answer them because all the only thing you need to do is you need to power through, uh, make something happen, um, do the thing you need to do, and then look at it from the other side. And I think that's a very um, important lesson that creating this course is not me taught me because so far in university, high school, any other jobs I got or any other gigs I've did, uh, they were all about working with a small amount of people or with nobody at all. They were either working with me, my team, or a small amount of random people. Now it's about going on the internet, going to the world and doing different stuff. So it's very interesting and definitely to a certain degree, life-changing, I would even say. Fantastic. That's that's uh, some great insights. And yeah, I just want to, you know, re-encourage re you and congratulate you on, um, you know, t choosing to stand up to this fear and actually helping people because I've seen the reviews in your courses and I've seen that you have uh, indeed helped quite a few people with their careers and uh, yeah, keep keep going. And so, so the next question would be, um, what, what's your what's your plan going forward? Are you going to create more courses? Are you going to delve into other spaces of IT and try to uh, make an impact on the world there? What, what do you see for yourself apart from university and apart from your career as this side uh, hobby, as this side um, business that you're doing, which is completely enabled by internet and uh, technology? What what do you see for yourself in the future, and what are your aspirations? I think the first uh, important point to mention is that as long as I keep learning something, as long as I keep finding something new, I want to be able to tell people about it um, because it's exciting to tell people about something exciting and because I will get greater insight on the topic when teaching other people or just telling them. So. Aside from this Udemy courses, which I don't know how many more I want to do because they're quite hard to um, do and they take a lot of time, uh, I definitely want to start something like a blog post or um, something, uh, some other way of communicating with people and just um, maybe arguing with them about a certain point of view or asking their opinions and then just talking about it or just telling uh, my ideas of how the world works and then having an engaging conversation. Uh, that's definitely something I would be interested in. And I'm just um, trying to evaluate different possibilities of um, how to do it. And so that will be number one. And I would say the other 
goal in my life right now um, is to make something bigger. So I want to make something uh, bigger than just a blog or courses on Udemy, and I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe, hopefully, someday I will design a new software, or maybe I will just start my own company, or maybe I will start consulting. Uh, I don't know what it will be, and I don't know even in what field it will be, and I really don't have any information about it yet for myself. I just know that that's something I want to do because um, internet allows us to do these great things. It just crossed so many rules of the list that existed before. And without any money, without any knowledge, without any time, uh, you can do stuff through internet. The only thing you need is uh, motivation. The only thing you need uh, is your drive to do it. And I certainly think that since I'm young, since I'm in uni, since I still have a whole life to experience, I think I certainly have that. And it's just a question of putting it all in the right direction, in the right um, idea. Yeah, wow, that's a very cool aspiration. It, it's like you you know you want to do something, but you don't know what it's going to be yet. And But you're still searching. You're still searching for it. And you want to, when you find it, you'll, you'll actually... Uh, you know, jump onto it and do, create something great, I'm sure. Um, and I think a lot of people are kind of in the same space, that they they feel that there's something going on, that the internet is changing the world, and they feel this strength and passion to do something, to change the world in some way, but at the same time, they don't know how yet. And my question to you here will be, um, how do you go about not stopping right now? Like, you don't know where you want to go. You don't know exactly what you want to create, but you know you want to create something. And it's, it's always, I find it always very hard to go to, to try to move forward without having an end destination. So my question to you is, how do you keep your skills up to date? How do you learn new things? How do you explore? How do you um, look for the thing that you're searching for? What what steps are you taking currently? Maybe that will help some of our listeners and they can um, take some of your advice on board and actually uh, search for their ideas in a, in a similar manner? Uh, that's a very uh, good question because I've been recently thinking about it a lot. And I've heard this phrase um, that if you're in it for the money, you will never succeed. Uh, I'm sure everybody heard it at some point or the other. It's a very popular phrase in the culture but it actually got to me in a sense that when you think about it all the people like uh let's say the sports people right all the successful uh sportsmen out there they never started doing the sport because of the money they started doing it because they loved it they started doing it because the company around them was fun they started doing it for um different reasons that just brought them joy and the same way you think about singers or actors or any successful businesses that uh, started up in the last decade none of them really everybody of course always thinks about hey what if i make it big but if it doesn't give you joy to do it without making it big if it doesn't make you smile and make you happy at the end of a long working day to just come home relax and be like yeah i did it i'm very happy about that i did it even though i made no money today i, I made tons of progress and i'm happy about it I just think this is not your idea. This is not your um, life destination. And that just puts the perspective on everything in the sense that 
you just all you need to do is find something that you're passionate about and that you love doing and in time it's inevitable that you will find success and another thing i want to say is uh what works for me as a millennial i never was on facebook much i never was on social platforms just like chit-chatting with other people or looking at different tweets and stuff but i was um spending quite a lot of time on YouTube and other platforms like that. And the only thing I can say is that you will never want, um, you will never want to find your thing. You will never want to find your drive. You will never want to find what you're good at, uh, by looking at other people. And that just, uh, make some uh, for me it made a lot of sense when i quit watching youtube and when i quit just spending time on this uh different social media where you can see that uh people who are better than you doing better than you people who are the same way as you doing better than you and people who are even worse than you who for example do not have the same level of uh, commitment or do not know as much information as you do and they still do better than you that just puts a very depressing mood on yourself and the only thing to overcome it is just stop watching all of it and just try doing something try creating a website try recording a podcast try going and writing down a blog uh, i think that's a very important thing because you will never find something you're passionate about by just looking at other people you need to try yourself at it first and only then you'll get your answer so i think the most important part for um, my generation at least judging by my friends um, is to stop looking at other people stop hearing about other other people's success and worrying about what other people will think of you and just start doing stuff start it, it can range from whatever um, field you are in to uh, the smallest or the biggest um, tasks or goals you can imagine but you start you actually have to do it it's just like, I know it's very worrying. I know it's very common. I know it's very, um, everybody tired of it, but that's really is the only way in life to make it, at least for me, for now, as of now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's, uh, it's very deep. Thank you very much for that. It's a very deep thought. And yeah, it's interesting how a lot of people sometimes get caught up in all the social media, like, like we're, addicts to our phones now. I heard a statistic that an average person checks their phone 160 times per day. And that's just insane, you know, with all the messages, social media, there's WhatsApp, there's Facebook, Snapchat, all of, all these different apps that are on your phone. And, um, and just also, like you say, watching YouTube or other uh, platforms and your you kind of your life trickles away. Yes, you're watching other people's do people do stuff, but you're living vicariously, and uh, that means you're not progressing yourself forward. And on that, I wanted to mention that a couple of years ago, I about maybe three years ago, I came to Ilya uh, with a question. I because <laughs> um, I don't follow music trends, and I wanted some music to listen to during work. And Ilya recommended me this. Um, epic inspirational music on YouTube. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now whenever like he comes, uh, like whenever we're in one apartment, he comes into my room and uh, like, he's like, what are you listening to? I'm still listening to that, uh, to those, I don't know, three or five soundtracks that he recommended me uh, five years, uh, three years ago. And he just keeps laughing at it. But remember among those, you also sent me one really cool video on, um, 
uh, on inspiration on uh, remember that one with lots of different videos cut into it and it's got some uh, tracks in the background and uh, like I think it starts off with uh, life uh, life will beat you to the ground and keep you on your knees unless if you let it something like that yeah do you remember that yeah yeah yeah, yeah so that's a really good one and I think it, it, if it's still available on YouTube we'll share it in the podcast notes so that everybody can check it out and always even now whenever i feel like i feel a bit down i feel um you know not motivated to work i just listen to that one to that one video i think it's 6 minutes long and it completely changes my day and i start working right away and yeah so how about you do you have something that inspires you that gives you inspiration in moments when you're feeling a bit down um not really because um the only thing i can think of right now is inspiration has to come from yourself like you can get motivated from either external factors or internal but at the end of the day nobody will um, take your hand and put it on your keyboard and make you program it uh you will have to do it yourself so in my case i think to get inspiration, I just think about um, life, about different aspects of it, about my friends and about my people I look up to and how they've been for the same stuff I am because nobody works 24 hours a day. Nobody of us is a robot. So um, I think that what gets me to work, that all people are the same and people that achieve success, people that are changing other people's life, the only thing that they do is put more work into their life and so if i ever want to be on that same level i just have to put more work into my life yeah gotcha no that's that's very cool um yeah and uh it's uh, it's something something a lot of people can i guess relate to that uh, the inspiration motivation at the end of the day comes from within all right um that i think that was a really cool conversation and now i would like to move on to some rapid fire questions uh to you know get a post-millennials perspective on uh, life and maybe uh, how, you know, maybe we'll get into some data again as well in uh, as you answer these questions. So first question, um, what's the biggest challenge uh, you've had that is somewhat related to dealing with data in your life? Oh, uh, the challenge is always the same dealing with data. It's how to upload data in different uh, softwares. <laughs> it started with MySQL, then went on to PostgreSQL, and then finally it's hit me in uh, Microsoft SQL Server because there's not that much you can do wrong when the data is already uploaded and it's all correct because you have a certain amount of functions that you can use and you only have a certain amount of ways to use them. Uh, whereas when you're uploading the data, even one small mistake, even one field filled with null uh, rather than actual information or uh, one cell being out of place can mess up your whole data set. And that's definitely the most frustrating thing I have encountered so far. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And um, that's, I, I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to that. Uh, data, data uploading or data preparation is uh, one of the most challenging parts of uh, the data science project lifecycle. Um, next question, what is a recent win you can share with us that you've had at uni or in your life, which is somewhat related to dealing with data? Uh, that's quite interesting question. I can't really tell you a win uh, straight away because 
I don't know. Just working with data for me, it's not about losing or winning. It's just about being generally enjoyable. And at the end of the day, I don't really think it's fair to say you won just by performing certain functions in a certain order. So I don't think I can relate to this question on a data level. Okay, gotcha. What about your subjects at uni? Is there any subjects you're proud of that you've, uh, you know, you've completed, you've uh, you've done really well at a subject or something, some project at uni that you've completed recently? I really think uh, BPMN. I'm really happy about it in a sense that um, it taught me um, it taught me a lot and I learned it very well and it I was able to use it in a different aspect of my life uh, but apart from that i would say any um mostly theoretical subject uh, that i do i consider a win because practical subjects for me are always easy uh because it's all about logic uh, practice is very easy you just you need to put amount of work in but you will always get the result when the theoretical subjects are most about understanding the topics the way your teacher wants you to understand the topics and that's might be difficult sometimes so i would consider those subjects a win yeah gotcha and uh, do you think um do you think theoretical subjects are useful if uh if it's something that you uh, need to understand the way uh, you know the way it's taught and i completely agree with that it, things are taught differently in different uh, parts of the world in different universities. So do you think they're actually useful for a person's career or is it just a waste of time? I would say right now, uh, beforehand in high school or in the first year at uni, I always thought that theoretical subjects were worthless and practical subjects are everything that matters. Uh, now I changed my opinion. I think that theoretical subjects are way more important than practical because if I want to code, I don't need to go to university um, 26 times uh, in a semester to learn it and work at it at home. All I can do is go online uh, to a different array of teaching services and learn it there quicker, cheaper, and more efficient. But theoretical subjects, um, at, at least in the uni I'm at right now, QUT, uh, they teach us very. Uh, they teach us only the rules that do not get all this quick because as you understand you learn the rule you learn the theory then you have another two or three years to go into your degree and by the time you uh, graduate it might already be irrelevant uh, and so far i any theory point or every just theoretical notion they taught us all of it had a lost language uh, lost lasting effect on the corporate world, on the real world as well. So it's always good to understand that, uh, how the world works and where it's heading to, because there's a lot of laws in IT and business that let you understand why certain startups are still failing because it's just not their time yet. And I just think that's uh, very interesting and that certainly makes you um, look at life from a new perspective. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's, that's a really cool, uh, cool concept, yeah. I totally agree with that. and. Um... I think uh, I think uh, these type of subjects can can definitely add value if you approach them with the right mindset. All right, um, next question is: What is your mo one most favorite thing about having data in your life? Integrity. <laughs> I want to say that uh, nowadays it's almost impossible to lose any work you've done. Even six, seven years ago, I'm sure everybody remembers your computer shuts down, you lose all your word work or your Excel, all your documents that you've been working on. 
Uh, today it's all immediately uploaded to the cloud and you will never lose it. Even if your computer shutdowns, even if all the grid goes out, even if their main server uh, fails, you will still have your data at the end of the day. And for only like uh, for free or mostly for like five, 10 bucks a month, I think that's a very small price to pay for that level of security. And I certainly enjoy the way um, where data science is headed uh, because data integrity is the most important part of any data because if you have uh, corrupted data you can never get the same analysis from it it will always be faulty so i think all the companies out there are looking uh, for ways to improve data integrity data security and that's only a good thing for all of us yeah fantastic actually very interesting answer i haven't heard that one before so there you go and data uh, the fact that you can uh, get your data copied and saved and backed up and data integrity is a is a very important aspect to a post-millennial okay didn't know that that's good next question is is a kind of a philosophical one so from where you are in life and from where you are with your degree and from what you've seen about uh, data science and the world of data where do you think the field of data science is going what do you think um, our listeners, whether they're at uni or whether they've already finished uni or even haven't started uni yet, where, what do you think our listeners should prepare for um, to have a successful career in the future? What? Ah, uh, that's a very interesting question. Um, from a philosoph uh, more philosophical point of view, uh, the way I will answer it is when you think um, of a successful doctor, you don't think of a doctor who can um, diagnose you with a very rare condition. It's a doctor who can diagnose you without even looking at you. Maybe you have a common cold, still he doesn't even have to touch you in order to tell you that. Um, because when we think about efficiency, about being be, uh, about people being successful or useful, we don't think about that one or five percent of cases that are hard or unique. We think about ninety-five percent of cases that are all the same, that repeat themselves over and over again. And the thing that allows different like doctors to do that, to diagnose you without even looking at you, is just the amount of times they encounter this exact same symptoms, this exact same behavior, and this exact same disease. And I think that's where data headed. It will just be absolutely and completely um, user targeted. So it will be predicting our every next move, our every step. It will be personalizing all the advertisement, everything we see to us directly without us having to press any buttons or do any actions. So I think that's where data is headed. The service, the company that can develop that type of behavior first uh, will win. Um, that's like out of the question because even now, let's say you need to, you had to type in your login and password every time you want to log in on your phone. Then they removed the login. All you have to type in is your password. Then they made it the passcode. That's way quicker to type. Now they made it touch ID. That's even quicker and more convenient. So the further we go into our lives, the more we advance, it will just become easier and easier. And you will, at, at some point, you will just stop noticing it. And I think uh, in IT field, that still wasn't achieved yet. That still hasn't been achieved. And that's certainly something to look out for. And if you're working um, at the very heart of IT, if you can ever create that, that will not only make you a lot of money, uh, that will also change the way our life is. And I think that's the most exciting part about it. 
Okay, gotcha. Uh, and what about for those who are not creating products, for those who are not, um, you know, who who are not creating apps and so on, for people who um, want a career in data science, who want um, a career in IT, is there? Are, do you have any recommendations for those people? I would say learn um, if you only want a career in it, make sure that you want it. Because even though SQL and all the other programming, uh, programming languages sound exciting and they are very exciting and logical, it's very important to do your research first into the industry, into the um, different companies that are uh, that are out there, and then try yourself at programming. Because if you feel good about all three of these things, or even two of them, you will uh, be very happy taking this uh, career path. But if you're not, even though this field is very exciting and it covers all aspects of our life, it just might be not for you because it really is a field of life. It really is uh, a place where you need to commit uh, 100%. Uh, just because there's so much data and it's so important to be able to work with it perfectly, correctly, in most efficient way, you will always have to learn you will always have to keep doing stuff and you will always have to make yourself a better um, data scientist okay wow very controversial answer there we go uh you have to make sure that uh data science is a field that you really want to get into and i kind of like i can relate to that in a way that um data science can be a bit um it's very broad and uh, you might get a bit misled if you jump into one part of data science and, you know, like say visualization, you get really good at visualization, but then you try other parts and you realize that you don't like programming as, as Ilya, you correctly mentioned. So, um, yeah, it's it's probably a good idea to try all different parts of data science and understand if not, if you don't want to do all of it, but if you, uh, if you want to do all of it, that's great. Then that's, that's your career path. But if uh, you're not excited about some part of it, then uh, early on, try to adapt or adjust your career in a way to um, leverage your strengths and really focus on the things that you want to be doing. Would you say that's, that's a good summary of what, uh, what you recommended? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Well, thank you very much for uh, coming on the show. It was a, uh, very good to have you. And um, can you tell us how our listeners can contact you, follow you, or find you, and uh, follow your career if uh, if they're interested and in seeing where the where this world of data takes you in the future? I'm really not prepared for this question because I haven't done anything to change the world so far, or even anything noticeable. But if they want to contact me for any of the reasons, I guess I'll just leave the email in the podcast emblem. And yeah, that's the only thing because I don't really have a Twitter account yet or Instagram account. Um, I really, oh, I do have a LinkedIn. Yeah. All right. Cool. So you're happy for people to connect with you on LinkedIn? Yep, yep. I just forgot I had it with all the stuff I've been working on myself. Yep, yep. That would be a very good way indeed. Beautiful. We'll leave the LinkedIn there. And one final question I have for you today. What is your one favorite book that you can recommend to our listeners for uh, them to improve their careers or even personal lives? One favorite book will be uh, very hard to choose from, but what I can 
tell you or recommend to our listeners is there are two books that I've read recently, uh, and both of them are good, and they just covered the same topic from different perspective. Uh, one is called Sorted, The Good Psychopath's Guide to uh, Bossing Your Life. It's written by... Andy McNabb and Dr. Kevin Dodden. So one is a psychologist, if I'm not mistaken, and the other one is a former SAS member. So it's uh, Secret Air Service, British uh, Special Forces. And this book, it just, uh, I found it different to all the other tons of other books that are on the market for motivation and like get stuff done and how to get it done because it's pretty short. Um, considering the amount of words in it, it's really very short and it only teaches you very few simple rules. And the one I would like to uh, quote right now is the way they do it. Um, the author describes his army life and he says the most important rule there is that you either lead, follow or get out of the way. So I think this is a very important rule when it comes to any aspect of the life. Even if you're just discussing a decision whether you want to go to the movies or not, if you follow this rule, you will never have any problems. And it's a way more important rule when it comes to your career choice or your just corporate life. Because by following this rule, you will either achieve great things or you will fail very little amount of times. Um, at least I found it to be like that in my university life and my um, online presence life so far. And the other book I would like to recommend, it's called Drive and it's written by, uh, sorry, it's written by Daniel Pink. It's a very important book because it describes motivation 3.0. Um, for the listeners that don't know, there's basically what's motivation 1.0, uh, the candy and the punishment that if you do something right, uh, reward yourself, or if your employer does something right, reward him. And if he doesn't just punish him, then there was motivation 2.0 that was basically going into that just from a bit different perspective. And now um, this uh, offer, Pink, uh, he's considered this motivation 3.0, a new theory that caters um, to our other needs than just money. Uh, basically, what he says is that as, so, uh, as soon as you make enough money to eat and have a roof uh, over your head, uh, there are three main motivators for you. So the first one is autonomy. Um, that basically means that you are allowed to do something by yourself. Uh, for example, if you're hiring somebody and you're listening to this, um, you need to make sure that that person is not micromanaged all the time, that he has time to work on himself and prove that he is worth something and that he can do something and he really can put results in. The second element is mastery, meaning that you always have the space to advance further. You always have the space to improve uh, your skills. For example, with SQL, that will be learning more and more functions, going into different, uh, more difficult databases and database designs. And the last one, which is very important, I think, it's purpose. Um, you can hear more and more startups being about uh, non-monetary uh, values. They are all about changing the world. They're all about making lives better. And this is what purpose stands for. Basically, it's that your work matters. So I think these two books, uh, Drive and Sorted, The Good Psychopath's Guide to Bossing Your Life, basically cover, uh, covers this wide uh, field of self-motivation and just basic, very, very basic levels of psychology that you might find very useful at times and you might be very interested in. Wow, what a good synopsis of the two books. Thank you very much. I've heard of 
uh, Daniel Pink before. Uh, I haven't had read his book Drive. I think I've uh, um, see. I also haven't read his other book, but I've uh, had uh, read some excerpts out of that one, and it was very insightful. And uh, I've also heard, I think, from you actually about Andy McNabb, uh, the former SAS um, agent, which is uh, so that good. That book must be very good as well. So there, there you go, guys. There's two books for you from uh, Ilya. Go check them out if you're interested. And um, thank you very much, Ilya, for coming on the show. Uh, it was it was really cool to hear your insights, and um, I'm sure a lot of people will get some very valuable takeaways from today. Thank you for having me. It was very fun. And I hope everybody will just be happy and improve their lives just a bit from listening to this podcast. Wonderful. Thank you and have a good day. So there you have it. That was my brother Ilya Eremenko. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Super Data Science Podcast. I'm really curious to find out what your best takeaway was from today's show because there were so many interesting views and opinions, so many different ways that Generation Z uh, people think about data and technology. For me personally, the biggest takeaway was probably uh, what Ilya said about um, privacy of data and that his generation easily exchanges their data for um, better service, for better insights into into their life, for better service, better products, uh, and better things that they can get for the information. Whereas previously, my generation and before, we are more uh, prone to be more conservative in that sense. We we want to protect our data. Whereas the new generation is you can see the value in exchanging their data for products, uh, for better products and services, for optimized products and services. And that is a huge eye-opener. That That is where the world's going. And so if you're creating any products, you're creating any services, or you're in that industry, which is B2C, which is facing consumers all around the world, then those are the people you will be dealing with in the years to come. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, once again, if you'd like to check out our course on SQL and database design, head on over to www.superdatascience.com 20 to get your super special invitation. And also you'll find their uh, links and resources mentioned on the podcast, as well as the show notes, as well as the podcast transcript and some links to follow Ilya and his career. Can't wait to see you next time. And until then, happy analyzing. <laughs>